The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Welcome, you are listening to the Therapy is a Christian podcast. I am your host, Roz Renee. Welcome to another episode of the show. And I am super excited about today's episode. Y'all have heard from my girl before, but we're going to be talking deep today. Y'all are going to hear some of my tea because, baby, it is hot and it has honey and sugar and lots and lots of lemon. Um, but we're going to be talking to Gabby and she is going to be talking to us today a little bit about emotional eating, which I think is a topic that we all should know a little bit more about, but to have more insight spiritually into what that looks like. I know that that is not something y'all have traditionally heard before on the podcast where we talk about this, um, but we're going to give a little context around this. So guys, hey, hey, sis. Hey, y'all. Hey, sis. How are you? I'm so excited to be back. It's been such a long time. But I'm back. Yes, yes. It's been actually last year. It was last year around this time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last year around this time when we did our last call. So um, I am super excited. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you, Gabby, and what you do now? Yeah. So, um, of course, my name is Gabrielle J. Sherry. I am a podcast host of the Don't Touch My Health podcast. I'm a wife. I am an emotional eating coach, also an author, which I oftentimes forget to um, announce, but I do have a devotional that's called Fit for the Kingdom um, that you can purchase on Amazon, and uh, that's it. I am I am her. She is me. We are here. <laughs> so um, the topic of emotional eating is very, um, I think, important. Mm-hmm. Again, like I told you before we press record, I could talk about this topic all day, but why don't you in your own words kind of define what emotional eating is? You can give your story um, and kind of what got you into um, emotional eating coaching. Yeah. So just to kind of start off with my story, I didn't realize that I was struggling with emotional eating until I realized I was struggling with emotional eating. You know, I think sometimes we just think that the way that we eat is normal and there's nothing wrong with it we oftentimes say that oh I just love food like oh this is just my go-to food without really understanding that there is always a connection so my definition of emotional eating would literally be you eating and your eating is somehow attached to your emotions right so some of us can find ourselves eating whenever we're happy whenever we're stressed whenever we're sad even whenever we're excited, right? Eating around the clock to whatever you're feeling like. So that's what emotional eating is. And, and what I think a lot of people, the, bis, the big misconception is that a lot of people think that it's about the food. And it's called emotional eating because it's not about the food. It's really about the emotion that's attached to why you're eating what you're eating. So I think it is a really important topic because, you know, especially when we talk about health and weight loss and all of these things, we think that the reason we're not losing weight is because we're not working out enough or we're not eating the right foods or all of these other things that diet culture has kind of whispered in our ears, right? We see it on social media all day. But the truth is, is that we're not getting to the root of what the real issue is. And if we say that nutrition is important, well, why is it that we're still struggling in this area? And a lot of it is due to 
the way that we regulate our emotions when it comes to food. Yeah, I think that's really good. So what made you get into coaching for this? Yeah, well, you know, I was a personal trainer for almost 10 years. Um, I honestly, I was no longer happy. <laughs> I, was, I was just tired of the business, but I also saw that there was a gap, right? And I knew that this was also something that I struggled with. And what I saw with a lot of my clients was that, and even with my journey is that, you know, we would diet, we would get these workout regimens, we would lose weight, we would regain it, we would lose it, we would regain it. I'm just like, what's really going on? Like, why can we not be consistent with this weight goal or whatever the goal was? And, and I realized that the gap was is that we weren't really talking about nutrition from a way that actually got to the root of what the real issue is again because I can give you tools, right? And so that's what we find on social media and in the media. We give tools, we get nutrition plans, we give workout regimens. And, and these tools are designed to keep you coming back for more. So we keep spending money year after year, but we never really understand why is it that I'm not consistent or where I'm not seeing consistent results in this area, right? Um, and so that's kind of where it, it really starts for me and for for everyone else who's listening. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. And I can, and you can kind of use my story as a talking point too. So to give y'all some background, I grew up, um, my mom was a very like diet culture. Yeah. She did a lot of different diets that I witnessed really growing up. The number one one that I always saw was Weight Watchers. And yeah. so it was like restricting certain foods for points and all of these things. So early on, I can remember thinking to myself, um, you know, just hearing her talk a lot about her weight, talking a lot about how she felt, talking a lot about uh, lifestyle of eating of just like, oh, I don't need to eat that. That's not good. And kind of associating good and bad foods. And so I can remember thinking, um, older when I got a little bit older, how she said that, you know, some of her eating habits had a lot to do with emotion and stress around the things that she had going on when I was growing up with her and my dad. And so I can remember a time where I was probably my early twenties. Of course, your body is banging back then, you know, girl, it's like real cute. Yeah. We're real cute. Um, around 25, I was in grad school and I, my stress had increased significantly because we're up all night doing papers, reading, research, all this kind of stuff. And I gained 20 pounds in a matter of like maybe five or six months. That's a lot of weight to put on very quickly. Um, and I remember getting graduating from grad school and pushing 200 pounds. Now for people who don't know, I'm five, eight, so that's really tall. So my weight dimension could look very differently on someone who's like five, four, maybe around 200 pounds. And so it looks very different. So I could probably not look like that very heavy, but I was heavy and I didn't feel good. And I didn't, so I, I over the last some odd years since then, I've been trying to fight to get it off. But these habits that I've seen for so long have been, don't eat this, don't mm -hmm. eat that, or not really desiring to work out or never really enjoying the workout process. Cause my association with losing weight has always been very toned people, very fit people in the gym, lifting weights. And if I go to the gym and lift weights, girl, I'm sore for three days. So I can't go back to the gym. 
So like there was never like a calling my way out of it. But when yeah. you talk about emotional eating, I think what's important to realize is I didn't realize the lifestyle around that time had changed for me. I was very stressed. So I'm just grabbing and eating what's around me, not working it off, not walking, things of that nature. And so I think, you know, going to my next question and we can use, you know, myself as a talking point or in general, but what do you think causes a lot of women to emotionally eat? I think for me, I didn't realize at the time that even me being bigger caused me to be emotional, which made me then eat more. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the, even the uncomfortability of being bigger, you kind of become to accept like being bigger or just accepting that uh-huh. food becomes your comfort or food becomes your coping mechanism and coping mechanism being like, when I'm sad, I'm going to eat. Uh, I remember I would binge and I, and even more recently, I can think of since even quitting my job and running my business, just the unhealthy behaviors that with that too, of just, if I'm stressed out and I got a lot going on with my, with my job, I'm like, girl, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A and I didn't live far from Mm Chick-fil-A. So I, so just these bad habits that just when you're stressed out, you do something else and the something else is eating. Yeah. Um, you get your cravings go up. So talk about that and you know, talk a little bit about what causes a lot of women, because we're talking about that demographic, um, to emotionally eat. Yeah, I think you said something really good when you talked about your mom. And I think it's this idea that we can't negate that we do what we were taught, right? What you were taught about food. We all have food rules that we grew up with, Rosalind. A food rule for you may have been that, you know, there are good and bad foods. Therefore, you label foods. Therefore, if you eat a food that's quote unquote bad, you feel guilty and ashamed because now you're like, oh, I'm a bad person because I ate this quote unquote bad food, right? Now we're labeling food. But also we we can't we can't dismiss that how we were brought up it impacts the food decisions that we now make. If you were taught that you had to sit at the table and you couldn't leave the table before you finish your meal, guess what you're doing now? You're loading up your you're loading up your plate with food and now you feel like you have to complete the whole plate before you can get up and go and going about your day, right? Or you may have been taught that dieting is a thing, so now that you feel like you need to continue on with that because you it was what you were taught. So we have to also understand that a lot of what's going on now, it was taught or you learned it in a time of transition, right? And we pick up these habits that may not be the healthiest because we're we're trying to cope with a new environment. We're trying to cope with like a new system, whatever. Like for you, Rosalind, you were transitioning from going from a from corporate into full-time entrepreneurship, right? And so with that, you were trying to find different ways to cope. Unfortunately, a lot of us were only taught to cope with food. Mm -hmm. We don't know any other coping skills. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to self-soothe without running to Chick-fil-A or without going to Starbucks or or without something else that like we feel like we just need to stuff our mouths because we're we're in need of something else. It's, It's something, and I call it like our primal needs, right? Our primal needs are that we we want to feel loved, seen, heard, acknowledged, trusted. And whenever we're absent of an emotion, whenever we're not getting that emotion met, we tend to turn to food because right. that food, in some point in time, it, it helped us. It gave us that love that we needed when nobody else was there. It gave us that support, right? 
So I think for a lot of women, statistics have shown that the type of emotional eating that's most frequent is stress eating. You know, you, you eat because maybe you're working in a high stressful environment or because you're stressed at home and there's no structure at home. Therefore, your only escape is to go into the pantry and grab some cookies or, you know, maybe your only escape is to go to Chick-fil-A because at home is so stressful. So uh, stress is the number one type of emotional eating that we do see, but there are also other ones like binge eating, overeating, um, eating when you're bored, eating when you're tired, eating when you're excited even. Yeah, and I think let's reward ourselves with food. Yeah, and I think there's not a lot of conversation around African Americans and like eating disorders and all of that. Like we kind of associate eating disorders with like anorexia or um, bulimia. But mm-hmm. also those, those can be situations, but also binge eating is one. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Where you just have this thing where you just binge. Yeah. Um, and I also think to go back to the perspective of the way we grew up, um, I think one of the things that we also have to do is language around food, because Absolutely. now we hear a lot of topics, especially like millennials um, being in our thirties now and our bodies don't work this day. They, they don't do the same thing, sis. They just, they, they just don't, don't. They about don't. this feeling of food being fuel and energy. Mm-hmm. So we talk a lot about, I think um, a lot of us talk about energy. We want to feel good. And I just never feeling as though when I've ate something, I feel good afterwards. Like never having that frame of reference, always feeling the itis or feeling like even that's a cultural thing of the itis being after you eat, you go take a nap. When that's your body's reaction to having heavy foods. Um, And so more recently for myself, and I know we can continue to talk about this, I, especially having my son, I've had this constant thing from God about you need to get your health in order. You need to really think about your health. But also on the flip side of that in running a business mentally, how draining it is, Gabby, you know, just the mental exhaustion, the cloud, the fog, the immediate, like, I can't make decisions because I'm cloudy because of the food I'm eating and I feel sluggish and I feel tired that I was just like, I I don't want to keep feeling this way because it is so taxing on my body, but it's also taxing on my performance and my ability to fully show up in who I feel like I'm called to be. And I think when you get to that level of consciousness of understanding that what I'm continuing to do currently won't continue to help me get to the capacity that I want to get to, my capacity is only going to stay at this level at the weight I'm at and also with what I'm putting into my body. Absolutely. So, so with that, what are some of the impacts? And I will say too, when, when you've seen or talked to clients that get to a place of understanding that it's emotional eating, because I think on the other side of that, it's really becoming self-aware and addressing yep. emotion as a part of it, which is not the fun and sexy part. We don't like to talk about emotion or if we do, we kind of sweep it under the rug, but what are some of the things that impact us and just like really coming to accept that this is actually what that is? Yeah, um, I think for one, it's normalized, right? Especially in, I won't just say in our culture, in every culture, because a lot of times we celebrate around food. Like, you know, everybody's excited for Thanksgiving. So getting people to really understand that even though you have maybe eaten this way your whole life, it doesn't mean that it's right. 
Um, and then there's this thing of like, wherever there's food confusion, it leads to disordered eating. Whenever you're not clear on like what foods actually fuel me, whenever you're not clear on or have the self-awareness to say that, hmm, I feel like this after I eat this, so maybe I shouldn't go back and eat that again, right? So whenever we're not clear around like what foods fuel us, what foods are, um, what foods kind of make us feel a certain way, because some of us even have sensitivities, right? Um, I took a food sensitivity test at the beginning of the year and I found out that I had a sensitivity to chicken. Who would have thought, right? But I noticed that I was getting bloated all the time after I ate chicken. So I'm just like, okay, God, like I see there's a connection there, right? So I think understanding for one. Girl, you you get bloated with chicken? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the black, that's the black monster yes, with like fried yes, chicken. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to eat then? You ain't, I'm, I'm not going vegan. I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> but I think it gives the context because. Yeah. I think going into what you're saying, like. I recently got a Peloton. Shout out to Peloton. Okay, girl. Hey. Um, so, and I love it. And one of the things that I realized is I am more full during, during the day. I feel a lot more energized when I have a good amount of protein. Like I, when I eat protein and I'm eating good vegetables and fruits, I, I eat that normally now. Um, I don't feel sluggish. I, yeah. I've I've cut down. I ain't cut off. She mm-hmm. ain't cut off yet. I've cut down the bread, mm-hmm. but like the fried foods, even just not picking up those things and eating them more. Eating more protein and like one of getting into more plant based foods and all of that eventually. But I'm not sluggish. Like bread makes me so sluggish. Oh, um, yeah. fried foods mm-hmm. and just being like a lot more mindful of things that fuel me like I, I had a, a yogurt bowl the other day with just like Greek yogurt um blueberries mangoes and bananas and it was bomb and I felt full but I didn't feel tired that wouldn't yeah. have been something I would have picked up but I think looking at looking at food as fuel and looking at it as how do I want to feel and operate versus what am I doing to satisfy this emotion? Because that is normally where the lens came from for me. And it was always related to stress. It was always related to escape. Like what can I escape right now in this moment? But that escape only made me feel temporarily happy. But even then it really wasn't a happiness because it wasn't um making anything better right right and and what happens is what you're talking about is like the cycle of emotional eating right you crave something you you try and deny yourself you try and deny yourself but what happens you end up thinking about it more you fall into the craving you eat it you get this temporary release but then there's this guilt this shame well, I ate one piece, so I might as well just finish off the whole bag, right? So you finish it, you you binge the whole bag of chips or whatever the case may be. And then you find yourself in this complete cycle again of then, you know, but what happens, and you mentioned this before we got on the call, but, or before we got on the podcast is like, you are in this place of like, now you are low key addicted to the Peloton, right? Uh, baby. I remember one day I had my son, I was mommy, I was full-time mommy in the day, y'all, I was doing a good job. But by the end of the day, I said, <laughs> if somebody don't come get this boy, 
And I remember telling my husband, I'm going for a ride. Yeah. I got on the bike. It was as if all the stress melted off. Yeah. After getting off. Now, I don't want to be like, you know, making the Peloton an idol, but the feeling of getting the feel good, the feel good endorphins after, like I see, I ain't starting to see this. I see why y'all like it helped but I also realized I had to find that workout style that worked for me YouTube's workout did not work went to the gym by myself did not work Mm -hmm. I need to be in a class need to have a community setting somebody saying something to me but just doing that I felt like I could leave all of that there and get off and go enjoy my family without feeling this weight of in times past I would have drove down the street and got food I probably would have drove the street, got ice cream. Whereas even now doing that, I don't crave that stuff as much. I don't even really yeah. crave sweets. I don't really want sweets like that. Um, it's very different. It's a very different mindset to be, but I feel like I'm channeling my stress in a different way and yeah. it's providing a feedback and a return. Yeah. And, and that's the, and that's the part, like we have to be willing to try something new to get a new result. Right. Cause a lot of us don't have anything to compare it to. All we know is being tired or being stressed. So what would it feel like on the other side, if you did get a Peloton and you did, cause we can't deny that our stress eating, it does benefit us in some way. Oh wait, girl, baby, you couldn't, tell me. you couldn't tell me that that wasn't exactly tell me it wasn't beneficial but also I think again I think of times where I've gone on binges because I can speak about that now because I know about it but it's not like conscious that I'm doing that it's just Mm -hmm. I crave I'm craving something and I really want to eat something and the food doesn't even go together sometimes it's like the food doesn't I want chips then I want a sandwich then I want something else and then they eat an apple like they don't even go together. It's mm-hmm. just the feeling of the comfort I want to feel. And it's mindless. Um, yeah. And outside outside of the emotional piece, the, the practical thing that we're not doing is oftentimes we binge because we skip. We skip meals. We restrict. And then we wonder like, man, why am I so hungry? Why can't I stop eating? Well, you haven't eaten all day. So yeah, you're going to be hungry and with you're going to end up overeating and doing all the things. And then that, that turns into a habit. So it, it becomes less about the emotional piece. And then it just turns into a habit where you are mindlessly doing it, where, which is what you're talking about. Like you probably binge because it's a habit that's emotionally driven. Yep. Yep. And, and so I think it goes back to, and, and even though I'm starting to work out, like I've been in a place where. I would say to anybody working out is my sister's thing. Yeah. The fact that I want to do it is a shift, mm-hmm. like huge shift. Um, but I will say it's, I don't focus so much more on the discipline and consistency part. My mindset has shifted more into how do I want to feel. I really now work out to stress relieve because I see it as I'm getting a return back to me on how I feel like I feel lighter in the day I don't feel as overwhelmed or if I do feel stressed I know that that is my area of letting it all like all Mm -hmm. out yeah but I also think on the flip side of that with emotional eating for so long and maybe sometimes still to this day I can think of 
there are so many triggers that may happen in the day that I'm not aware of, or I'm just, I could talk to somebody and get irritated. And then two days later, still be holding on to that. Yes. Uh, and so your body itself is carrying this stress. Yep. Um, of course. And I think I've had friends talk about how that releases cortisol, which is a chemical in your brain, which we can go into and be super educated with, but that is a, release in your body where too much of that sends you into yeah. fight or flight where you're yeah. on edge you're you're snappy you feel like you got to protect yourself you feel like you're irritated you're afraid you're short-tempered mm-hmm. that's what it looks like and so what do we do when we're short-tempered or we're angry or we're frustrated we go get food yeah or we're like i don't feel like cooking today we can go pick something up because mm-hmm. the act of actually cooking or thinking about food or creating something for the kids becomes even more stressful. You could just get some, some, them something they enjoy. And yep. so these habits of things, I think is like what you said, goes into kind of like those those roots of eating habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that, why, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that become kind of consistency part of our lifestyle. So we don't yep. even then associate food as fuel. We just associate the feeling of comforting the emotion that we aren't even addressing or, or even trying to start to address. Yeah. And and that's why in those moments where you do find yourself reaching for something, you really have to pause and ask yourself, okay, what do I really need? Right? Because well, we're missing that piece. Am I not feeling seen? Am I feeling ignored? Am I not feeling heard? Do I do I am I do I need to be comforted in this moment? Right. And so then we start to you identify the trigger. I'm happy you brought that up because there's always a trigger, you know, at work, at home, but some, anything, any little small thing can trigger you. Somebody can call you and say, oh girl, I just had this sandwich. That can trigger you. And you'd be like, oh, I want that sandwich too. Right? Yeah, so like, it'll send, you, the time. it'll send you down this road, but identifying the trigger, right? Um, and then asking yourself before you eat, what do I need in this moment? And if I'm not really, well, asking yourself, am I hungry? First of all, am I hungry or am I craving? There, there are ways that you can identify if you're hungry because hunger is like a slow build. It's never something that feels sudden, right? It's not like, a, oh, I'm hungry. Let me go eat. It's a slow buildup, right? Um, so first, That's I just- I'm, 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 I'm glad you said that because I would have never thought of Hunger is a slow build. I would immediately think as my craving as I'm hungry, but That's I can even identify of, a I craving can, comes on like that. Yeah, I can even that brings me to my thought of I can even think of times when I'll be in the car and I'll immediately crave ice cream mm-hmm. because there's been such an association with me driving down certain streets or just driving in general where I'm out and I just like girl, let's just stop and give me some ice cream. That used to be like my comfort thing. I would get ice cream. Um, and it also didn't feel like a meal. So it wasn't like that bad, quote yeah. unquote. Mm-hmm. But I would get in, I, I can remember times of just getting in the car and just wanting ice cream or wanting a milkshake or something sweet all the time and never kind of thinking to myself, am I hungry or am I craving this? Yeah. And this, it goes so deep, like even like the association to things, right? Like if you are someone, every time you get off of work, you sit on your couch, you grab a bowl of ice cream. Guess what? Every time you sit on the couch, you're going to want a bowl of ice cream. So we have to start even changing up our routines. And this is why I'm big on with my women is helping them get easy access to the things that they need. 
right? Because even when we go to the grocery store, at the whenever you check out, what's at the checkout? Candy. Candy. It's right there at eye level. And they do it because they know that you're going to reach for it because it's easy access. So we have to start making the things that are better for us, giving us giving ourselves easier access to that things. So yeah. sometimes it does look like you maybe going as far as rearranging your, your furniture in your home, or maybe instead of you eating at the bar, maybe you go and sit at the table and eat, right? So doing small things like that, that kind of get you out of the flow of what you are so accustomed to, because maybe if you sit at the bar, you are going to overeat. But maybe if you, you fix your plate, go sit at the table, you're probably not going to want to walk back to the kitchen and fix another plate, right? Yeah. So it's even like just kind of shifting some things around because you're what you you're eating is also associated to your environment as well. Yeah, it does. And I, and I can attest to that because we moved, um, the end of February. And since we've moved, I've cooked more because yeah. I'm not near all my good places. Yeah. I am kind of around where we had to sleep the hood and they got like Popeye's, I don't like Popeye's <laughs> like that. Like I'm yeah. not eating American deli. I'm not eating that sis. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, I'm the, girl, y'all, I am the bougie fast food eater. I'm going to McAllister's. I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. I'm going to go to Chipotle. I'm not going to just like yeah. go to Burger King. Girl. Yeah. I'm not yeah. feeling. Now, no judgment if you like Burger King or Taco Bell, sis, but she, I go to Pyro's, you know, I'm going to go to the yeah. Okay. But. I'm right around my places. So the association to get in the car and actually take the effort to go drive seems a lot more, more to me than just going in the kitchen and cooking something. Yeah. Um, so yes, environment is very true. Like it is, it is, I lived across the street from Chick-fil-A child. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can tell me nothing yeah. I live across the street from Starbucks. Um, but I think in going into some of this as well, it, it like again it's just really association so I think what you're describing and of course I really want you to share some tips that could help with this but what I'm hearing a lot of is really asking yourself those questions of am I hungry mm-hmm. um, because I, I think when we talk about weight loss we talk about eating we're talking a lot about restrictive diet culture it's thought of in that way but I think the way we're framing it a lot is perspective on what is actually causing you to eat this? Because weight gain can be different for everybody. Weight gain can be hormonal if you're on birth control. Weight yep. gain can be you have a baby. It's not always emotional eating, mm-hmm. but there can be shifts that you can have or want for yourself um, that can be associated with wanting to lose weight or be healthier if that's your desire. So if you mm-hmm. see yourself as somebody that emotionally eats, even if you are a smaller frame, because I know there's like body dysmorphia, there is like all of these things where you think you look bigger than what you really are. There's so many aspects of that. So, um, of course, talk about that if that's something you, you know, you experience with clients or even yourself, Gabby. But also talk about some tips that women can do in um, addressing some of these things we're talking about. Yeah. So my philosophy is, again, is that it's less about the food. It's more while you're eating the food. So I, I used to be one of those people who like restricted all day, just like your mom, Rosalind. I have tried every diet, literally. I remember I was, (laughs) girl, I was at one point I was eating 500 calories a day. How, how was I surviving? 
What? How many? Five hundred calories. They had these drops on sale. I don't know if y'all remember the HCG drops. You they had HCG drops. Girl, you remember those? Yes. Okay, you drop them under your tongue, and you only eat five hundred calories a day. No wonder why I was losing weight, right? So that's if we think about it from that perspective, like the placebo effect. <laughs> I'm losing the weight not because of these drops, but I'm literally starving myself. So that's tip number one: is to ditch your food rules around restrictive eating. I I personally, I still eat what I want. However, I have set controls in place, and that's the biggest piece: taking control and allowing for the spirit to guide you in how to exercise self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit, right? Yeah. I and wanna, so- I wanna add to that for a second. Yeah. yeah. So we just went out of town and my husband's city, he grew up in, has this amazing place that has like these sandwiches that are just so good, child. So we brought one home. It's like a foot long. And I was like, I'm gonna eat one today because we had bought a couple of them. And immediately said to myself, do I need the whole thing or could I eat half of that in a salad? Yep. And so still had what I really wanted, which was like a meatball sub and baby, it was good, but only half of it. Where in yep. times past, I remember yesterday, I ate the whole thing and I was like, this is bomb. Yep. But trying to give myself moderation on the other side of that, because do I want to feel the way I feel having a whole meatball sub knowing I have to work today or yep. just worked out? And so, like you said, it's like, it's still having what you want, but it's, to the point of like proportion sizes essentially and also just being mindful of what your body needs like I hadn't had greens in any form all that weekend so I wanted to eat a salad to have some form of like greens or leafy greens in my system yep and that's a really great tip because that's something that I do as well especially for those of us who do eat out you you split the meal in half you you eat one at the restaurant and then you take one home that's an easy way to like a quick tip for you to like take out whenever you're eating. Um, but something else is really, it comes down to being prepared. I mean, I just can't over overstate that enough. Like making sure that you do have, if you're running errands all day and you find yourself like in the car for a majority of the day, have snacks prepared with you. Therefore, you're not having to run to any fast food restaurants. Even if you have to like, put a cooler in your car, sis, put some yogurt in there or, you know, some fruit. Like we have to get creative with how we're kind of doing this a little bit, but it's not so out of reach that it's not doable. It just takes a few more minutes out of your day to actually pack up the cooler, put it in your car. Right. Um, even like have they have at Trader Joe's or at really at any grocery store, they have prepackaged snacks now, um, like nuts that you can buy. They're already pre-portioned out. You don't even have to do anything. You just throw them in your purse and then that's it. Um, some other tips is just like, like you said, Rosalind, thinking about what am I going to feel like after this? <laughs> Being mindful, because I think that sometimes we're, we get so consumed with the moment like, oh, this is good. This is all I want to eat. I've been waiting on this all day, right? We get so consumed with the moment that we don't think about what I'm going to feel like 20 minutes after this. Oh, I'm going to be bloated. I'm not going to have the energy. I'm going to be trying to go go to my car and fall asleep. You know, take a quick take a quick 20 minute nap, right? So we have to think ahead, further ahead than what's, what's currently in front of us. Because I, I think say, whenever you, yeah, I go ahead. Say, I used to feel not even on really the physical side, but even I remember I used to go eat 
leave the house and I wouldn't say nothing to my husband and I would be like oh I'm gonna go run some errands and I would hide and eat and that becomes very shameful eating and shame Um, eating a secret yeah eating in secret out of you know just that's looking at it as like this is my me time but realistically what it is is I just wanted comfort but instead of talking or like opening up or saying anything it's more so like eating a shame and so and the time, it really comes down to how you feel. But I would say even taking a step further, because I think in the moment, you're not thinking about how you how the food affects you. But I think of if you take an assessment of how you feel on a daily basis, do you feel fatigued or tired all the time? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have mental fog? Do you, we can get into gut health. We could talk about this. Like it's, it becomes very, very, yeah. very, very serious on how our bodies are. Yep. But it impacts your sleep. You're asleep if you can't sleep at night. Um, And so I think when I say for me now, the shift has happened, I think, since we've moved, but also just thinking every day how I just want to feel is I want to be able to be creative. Like what our, our nature of work requires a lot of mental decisions, a lot of creativity, a lot of decision making, a lot of building, being very critical thinkers. And so as a business owner, or even when I was working at nine to five, like I don't want to be tired at eleven thirty-two. Exactly. I don't want to be tired at three twelve mm-hmm. in the middle of the day when I still have to come home, be a wife and a mom, yep. and 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 have to go through the next day like that. And the next day, you can't wait till the weekend because you just get to sleep in. Mm-hmm. And so, I think those are things that are really um, important to know. So in my, in your opinion with this, why do you think coaching is helpful around this? Because a lot of women just aren't aware. Like we're not aware that we do emotionally eat. Like I said, I didn't know that I was emotionally eating until I found out that I was emotionally eating. Like, uh, because we just think that it's normal, right? We think that you know, even in culture, like our parents, you know, girl, you're not eating enough food, put some on your plate, right? We think that even that's normal. And it's just like, but it's, it's normalized, but it's not normal. And it's not, it's not really aiding you for where you're trying to go, especially health wise. So I think denormalizing some of the things that we have been taught, such as dieting is an effective way to, to lose weight. It's actually not. Dieting actually and restricting actually makes you gain more weight because because then your insulin and your glucose levels are unstable. Therefore, your body holds on to more fat. Right. So it's really understanding like a lot of the things that we were taught about dieting and about even exercise, because there are mind blocks even around like you have mind blocks around exercise, like even getting women to understand that is important because I think that we have been taught that health looks a certain way. Oh, girl, that, when that I see happens. a girl growing her booty in the gym, I'm like, she is getting it. But yeah. I've also come to terms and understood that 20 minutes on my bike is literally enough. Exactly. And and you you can determine that. And I think we have allowed culture to determine what health looks like instead of us sitting back and say, okay, this is what it's going to look like for me. Like, it's not going to look like me going to the gym five days a week. Maybe it's going to look like me taking a 20 minute walk. Right. Or maybe it's going to look like me um, just just taking a bubble bath. Like that's that's even a form of of health, because a lot of us don't even do that. Mm -hmm. So it's really recreating what this looks like for you. That's why 
on one of my assessments, I do, I tell women to like dream big, like to think outside of the box of what you think health has looked like and to really recreate that for yourself um, so that you can actually achieve it. I believe the only reason we're inconsistent with our health is because it's not tailor fitted for who we are. And we have to tailor fit it for our lifestyle, for our families, for where we're trying to go. Because just because I can go to the gym five days a week doesn't mean that you can. And that's okay. Because it, it just looks different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so, sleep is important. Sleep is oh, a byproduct yeah. of losing weight. Um, Absolutely. Getting enough sleep at night. Mm-hmm. I was even looking at something that said not getting, not getting at least seven to eight hours a day can also increase your risk of heart attack. Mm-hmm. And, and, and black I did women not even know that girl. And, and black women, we that's our number one killer. Stroke and heart attack. Yeah. 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 So so and so those aren't those aren't specific. I think one of the things is that it goes back to perspective, but I think one of the other things that comes into it is women thinking that just walking 20 minutes, 15 minutes is not enough. Mm-hmm. So we associate the not enough as starting points we think we have to go into these heavy weight classes and all of these things that it becomes an overkill Mm -hmm. and when we don't feel like we're doing a good job it is this mindset of perfectionism we Mm -hmm. just don't and I think it goes into like when we do binge eat or like again we were out of town this weekend we probably ate bad both days but I came back on Monday and I said okay fill up this gallon of water I'm gonna eat a salad and half of the sandwich and keep it pushing. Yeah. Because because the association is no longer about restriction or it's really on how do I want to feel every day? And if I could feel the way I feel now on a daily basis, even just the next five months, where I will be the happiest I would ever feel. Mm-hmm. And it's not on a restrictive, really changing a whole bunch of stuff, just small things, but increasing working out um, or even just water intake. And so those yeah. things have been. Um, direct impact of just looking at these things differently and emotionally because of that my emotions have shifted automatically because of it not even really just stopping the emotional eating piece but like my my energy is channeled into and my emotions are channeled into like getting something that's going to bring a return Mm -hmm. and what it really is it's, it's a big mindset shift because whenever you change your mind then your behaviors will follow and so whenever you change your mind about food, and it sounds like, Rosalyn, you've learned how to anchor yourself in something that's outside of you, right? You're, you're, you're running towards energy. Like that's your main goal at the end. You want to feel energized. Like that's something outside of you. And I think sometimes, and I said this on my Instagram the other day, but when we don't have the healthiest perspective of who we are, whenever we are insecure, it's difficult for us to show up for us sometimes, Right because we don't see ourselves as enough to show up for. So you really have to find something outside of you that's gonna kind of anchor you, right? Whether that's your children, uh, whether that's um, you know the energy that, that's needed, right? Or your purpose or whatever that thing God has called for you to do, put that in the forefront of your mind and allow that to drive you instead of this weight loss goal. Cause the weight loss goal is a uh, fleeting. Just yeah. Like the me. weight loss is going <laughs> to automatically happen. I, I think <laughs> it does. I think, I think about that just again, the last couple of weeks, I think I've lost two, two and a half pounds. 
mm-hmm. I'm not even more associated with the weight more so than how I feel because I, I think to myself now, as long as I'm feeling like I'm doing good, weight's gonna like you keep doing yeah. the same thing, eventually it's gonna come off. Yeah, and you're not thinking about it. Because the shift has now become feeling. I want to feel creative. I want to feel energized. I want to feel not like I'm sluggish getting up. I don't want to feel sluggish while I'm getting Elijah ready in the morning. Like there are so many shifts that I want to feel. Like at night, I want to naturally have my body get tired to go to sleep. Not this forced feeling of exhaustion Mm -hmm. uh, where I can't wait to hit the bed as soon as I see it. So that has been then the byproduct of then changing. Okay. If I'm emotional, what do I do? Do I do something else? And, and then seeing working out as God, I feel these endorphins afterwards, if that's what they call, I just feel good afterwards. So mm-hmm. I think wanting to feel that on a daily basis reinforces the attitude of this becomes a non-negotiable. Yep, because once you feel it, you can't unfeel it. Mm. And so you're going to keep chasing that feeling. In the same way, food makes you feel a certain way. That's why we're chasing it. Yeah. Chase something different, and then yeah. you're going to you'll see different results. Yeah. So, yeah. so, Gabby, why don't you just talk, tell the girls where they can find you, tell the girls about what you do, um, and yeah. if they want to learn more about this. I think her just educating and just sharing all these things are phenomenal. Um, so talk about that. Yeah, so I'm mainly on Instagram, Gabby Athletics underscore, although that will be oh, are the first people to hear this. I'm about to change my name up. So <laughs> just just stay tuned because it's a lot of shifts happening. So find me on Instagram at Gabby Athletics underscore, and that's Gabby with an I. Um, you can also listen to the podcast at Don't Touch My Health. Um and that's where I'm at, Rosalind. And for those of you who are really struggling with cravings, I do have a freebie that I'll give you, Rosalind. Um, and it's the four four steps of how I've helped my clients to overcome food cravings. Um, and I'm really and, and it also comes with like this short nine minute coaching session of where you get this check freebie. But I'm also coaching you through how to actually implement the things that are inside. So um, I will give Rosalind access to that and. That's it, y'all. Thank you so much for having me, sis. Yeah, yeah, of course. So y'all check the show notes. Just scroll up on your phone if you're on Apple iTunes um, and check the show notes for all that information. And I love y'all and I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.